0: And we we'll commit this hour into your hand that, Lord, you will minister to each one of us and help us to understand your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tonight we are looking at uh, the topic we started. Uh, apparently I can't get away from this topic. I, I tried to get onto some other things, but my, the Lord is just saying go back there. And it's about this uh, Corinthian church syndrome. So we're warning everybody to beware of Corinthian church syndrome of pride and self-conceit that prevents people from giving honor to whom honor is due, especially God, and losing their sense of sacredness. First Timothy 17. now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the, holy, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor, be honor, be honor, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, we started with warning every Christian not to let this world's culture get a hold of them because these are the mainstream culture approved by many practiced until they, there's nothing wrong anymore, anybody can see about them. They have become commonplace practice, and then it's seeping into the church. Now, they are become really the popular culture in many churches today. So now we're not talking of sipping, but it's really taking hold in many, in many places of worship. Many denominations are denouncing what they used to believe, totally denouncing it, including the Holy Bible, and replacing it with their own brand of Christianity. That's mainly humanistic brand designed to please men, and be a friend of the world, and receive honor from men, and be approved by men. They have even written their own Bibles, condemned the word of God as not relevant for today, cast it aside, and their authority for all of this are men who claim intellectual achievements and scholarly prominence, Instead of the incorruptible Word of God, they are now using the corruptible Word of men. Is that serious? Completely serious. So what we're talking about is really eating deep into the body of Christ, and um, so you have all branches of Christianity, people teaching all manner of humanistic stuff. We should be very, very careful at the last days and the law has something to say with this kind of brand of Christianity. In Matthew 22:29, 29, Jesus replied, You your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. The Holy Spirit wrote in 1st Timothy 1:12, 21, 1 Corinthians, sorry, 1 Corinthians 1:21, since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world could neither, neither know Him through human wisdom. God says we never know Him through this human wisdom, through these this humanistic things that people are batching out. Theological, whatever. Human wisdom. He has used only our foolish preaching to serve those who believe. The apostles have something to say. Acts 5.27. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest, and the high priest asked them, saying, "Did we not strictly command you not to preach in this in his name? And look, look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood on our, on us." But Peter and the other apostles and every Christian should be saying this. Answered and said, "We ought to obey God rather than men." God does not change. All this post-Christian, this post-Christian, that is completely irrelevant. There's no post nothing with God. God does not change. In James 1, 16, do not be deceived. My beloved brethren, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning." No variation or shadow of turning. Hebrews thirteen eight, Jesus Christ is same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus Christ is same yesterday and today forever and forever. Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines, brethren, for it is good. A good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. Now, Malachi 3:6. For I am the Lord, I change not. I change not. Therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Psalm 102 verse 25. Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the works of thy hands; they shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like garment; as a vesture shalt thou change them, and thou shalt they shall be changed. Verse twenty-seven. But thou art the same, and thy years have no end. God doesn't change. God doesn't need. God is not in all this modernistic whatever. And then his word is unchanging, too. Psalm 119, verse 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Forever. It is, it's not going to change. New, New Living Translation says, your eternal word, O Lord, stands firm in heaven. There's no doctrine in God's word. There is nobody that has authority, knows what he's doing, who wants to alter God's word. The book of Revelation wants us not to remove from it, not to add from it. But this is what is happening today. In Isaiah 48, the grass withered, the flower faded, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Psalm 33:11. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart for all generations. All generations. All generations, you can't improve on what God has said. All generations. And then the word of God cannot be modernized. You can't the, the context of his word cannot be modernized. In in 2 Corinthians 18, as surely as God is faithful, my word to you does not waver between yes and no. God is not saying yes today and tomorrow He'll say, oh, "You know situations have changed. Let me say no today." It, that's not God's word. The truth of God will always be persecuted because it doesn't agree with mainstream thinking. A human mind Matthew 7 verse 13 come to God through the narrow gate because the white gate sorry the truth of God will always not be persecuted in minority that's what I'm trying to say will always be minority yes Matthew seven thirteen: come to God through the narrow gate because the white gate and broad path is the way that leads to destruction Nearly everyone chooses that crowded road. The narrow gate and the difficult way leads to eternal, eternal life. So if you even find it, the truth of God is going to be in the minority. And so you find the tremendous pressure that comes on those few that, that stand on the truth of God. In Acts 28, 22, but we want to hear what you have, what you believe. For the only thing we know about this movement is that it is denounced everywhere. It is denounced everywhere, persecuted everywhere, which is happening today. In John 15, 20, remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my sayings, they will keep your sayings. So under such tremendous pressure from mainstream culture, that is ungodly. And then all this humanistic branch of Christianity that is popping up everywhere, compromising the truth, not even believing the Bible anymore. Can you imagine the pressure of the Christian faces to stand firm, being a minority, being persecuted? So we see that this mainstream culture, because of its number, approval by men, approval by the society, practiced now for years that it looks like there's nothing wrong with it. The Christian has to be aware of these things. So that what happened in the Corinthian church doesn't happen to you. Because it was like that until the culture of the the world begin to seep into Corinthian church and all manner of things they were doing in the world began to take place in the Corinthian church. And then we, we're focusing on the issue of honor and respect because this is key. Because if you start dishonoring the things of God, game over. Done. Really done. So we're focusing on honor and respect and having a sense of sacredness, all which do not exist in this Paradigm of the world today. Actually, dishonoring God is the mainstream culture. You dishonor God, they clap for you. Do a amount of things for you. Now, somebody asked a question because you know we have asked people to bring in their questions. We're prepared to look at them as the time permits. So somebody asked a very very wonderful question. He says, "What's the difference between hugging a preacher after he preaches and clapping for him?" Well, the answer is very simple, because in the English meaning of the words, there is no way you can confuse their context or what they mean. Clapping means ovation and applaud. Hug means expression of affection. You cannot hug somebody to mean ovation. It's not possible. You cannot hug somebody to mean a applaud. It's not possible. You can't clap somebody to mean expression of affection, like a hug between a, 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 the husband and wife. You, you don't show your wife affection by clapping for her. So there can be a mixture of the meaning. The two words have distinct meaning. So when you clap for a preacher, you are applauding. Giving an ovation. But when you hug a preacher after service, you're expressing affection for him. So th- there's no mixing the context in which these two words are known. That's basically the difference between both of them. In one, you clap to applaud, give an ovation. In the other one, somebody is finished preaching, comes down from that place, you give them a hug, expressing affection to him or her. Now, all this is about clapping for after sermon and things, it's it shifting in from entertainment industry because entertainment has taken over the psyche of people. Everything must be seen from the context of entertainment. So even today, churches are trying to entertain and people want to be entertained. So they see everything as entertainment. When when I was growing up as a Christian, when I was, my father was a pastor, I never could have imagined that after preaching a sermon, the church starts clapping. The the kind of atmosphere in which we grew up, if somebody made noise during sermon, everybody would say, stop, it's sermon time. But this thing has come in now that we clap for sermon. We clap for prayer. When people pray, we clap. I wonder what is next. Maybe clap for Holy Communion too. One time we also clap for whatever. When people pray, we clap and clap and clap. What is that supposed to mean? What does it mean? Starting from clapping for preachers, and now people you clap for might be tempted to start performing, really, because They want it. Clapping dishonors God, pure and simple. You you can't clap for your father. After your father speaks to you, you, you stand up and start clapping for your father. That's insult. The Bible calls God the father of spirits. That's our father. When we hear his word, we don't stand and start clapping, giving him ovation. That's an insult. It is disrespectful. So what did the Bible say we should do with our hands? The scripture is very clear what to do with your hands. It is a clap. There's no scripture that says we should give standing ovation after hearing the sermon. Nowhere. Not, not one. But this is what the scripture says we should do with our hands. First Timothy 2.8. I would therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. That's what we are told to do with our hands, not clap. Lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. That's what the Holy Spirit said to do. In Nehemiah 8, 6, and Ezra blessed the people, the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. They started to praise God, lift, they didn't clap, lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground, lifting up their hands. The Bible says, lift up your hands in worship. Lift up your hands in prayer. It is a club. In Psalm 141, verse 2. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense and the lifting up my hands as the evening sacrifice. You see, there's a mystery in lifting up hands. The only culture where you lift up hands is the church can't see, I don't see any other culture where they lift, you can't go to Hollywood and they do doing entertainment, they lift up hands, no. There's, when God says lift up your hands, don't clap them. There's a mystery. David said it's an evening sacrifice. No wonder the Holy Spirit said it to the church when you pray, lift up your hands. What did the Holy Spirit say we do with our mouth and praise? Hebrew 13, 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Not with our hands, not with our clapping. We don't clap with our lips. You lift up holy hands in prayer and worship. You don't clap. You praise with your lips. You lift up holy hands. You do not clap, 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 no. For the word of God, no. You clap in accompaniment to music. That's Bible. Again, Corinthian church syndrome. Now we clap when people pray, we clap. Now, let's read one more scripture here in answer to that very important question. Acts 12, 20. And Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon, but they came with one accord to him, And having made Blastus, the king's chamberlain, their friend, desired peace because their country was nourished by the king's country. And upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, an ovation, saying, It is the voice of a god and not of a man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him. Because he gave not God the glory, and he was eating of worms, gave up the ghost. But the word of God grew and multiplied. Now, can you imagine, can you take out terror and put a preacher? The people will give an ovation, say, wow, this is "Man," And then the preacher is tempted to take the glory. The Bible says we should not put stumbling block in the, in the, before people. We shouldn't put stumbling block before anybody. This is not preaching. But standing ovation can get into your head to start with. This is how God wants us to treat His word Isaiah 66 2. For all those things had my hand made, and those things have been, said the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of contrite spirit. God wants us to hear his word, repent, respond to it. Let it change our heart. Let it circumcise our heart. That's what God wants it to do. What God wants is response, obedience. Do what I said. He doesn't want clapping. Now, after clapping, you don't do it. What use is that? So he wants a contract heart. And trembling at my words. That's what God wants us to do. We all know it. The New Living Translation says, My hands have made both heavens and earth, they and everything in them and are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts, who tremble at my words, who honor my words when they hear that. That's the word of Almighty God. We should treat his word like we treat the presence of God. We should treat his word like we treat the, the, the name of God. God even exalted his word above his name. We should treat it with the same respect as we treat the presence of God. Revelation nineteen, thirteen, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, talking about Jesus, and his name is called the word of God. His name is called the word of God. So if, if Jesus appears, if the Lord appears here, do you stand and start applauding him? His name is called the Word of God. Do you applaud, do you clap, or do you bow in honor and respect? His name is called the Word of God. Remember in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God. So we should give the Word of God the same reverence we should give God as if he was standing here as if Jesus was standing there and his name too. So I've answered that question. So let's continue. Now humility manifests in giving honor to whom honor is due. Romans 13:7. Humility, a humble life, gives honor. Humility is not part of the culture of the world. So in Romans 13:7, render therefore to all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. In Romans 12 10, be kindly affectionate one to another, with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one on another, giving honor to everybody. It's the Christian lifestyle. This honor is not is the world's lifestyle. Philippians 2 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem order better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Five, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, taught it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself. Remember what the scripture says, in honor preferring one another, honoring one another, deferring the honor to another. Pride and dishonor go hand in hand and they blocks faith, those who have no plans to honor God, no plans to listen, to to do what God says, they, they're not seeking praise from men. But they don't care. As long as men praise them, they don't really care what they do with the word of God. So in John chapter 5 verse 39, you search and investigate and pour over the scriptures diligently because you suppose and trust that you have, you have eternal life through them. And these very scriptures testify about me. The very scriptures reveal Christ. He is the Word of God. He is the Word of God. When you hear the Word of God, understand who you're talking about. See, it testifies about me. That's what, they, and still you are willing, but refuse to come to me, so that you might have life. Fourth 41, I received that not glory from men, I crave no human honor, I look for no mortal fame, but I know you and recognize and understand that you have not the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name and with his power, and you do not receive me. Your hearts are not open to me. You give me no welcome. But if another comes in his own name and his own power and with no other authority but himself, you will receive him. Give him your approval. How is it possible then for you to believe? How can you learn to believe? You, you who are content to seek and receive praise and honor and glory from one another, and yet do not seek the praise and honor and glory which come which come from, uh, from him, from God, who alone is God, from him who alone is God. So when people are not interested in honoring God, they're not interested, really, because they don't want to honor God, and they don't care what God thinks about them. So they, want, they prefer what people think about them, so they go to the world, and the world praises them, gives them accolades, gives them acceptance in place of work. You know, the friends have all these wonderful friends in the world. They don't care about what God thinks. The Bible says it's not possible for you then to believe the word of God in that state of mind. It's not possible. It is not possible. You can't believe the Word of God. Now you see why a lot of Christians can't understand Scripture. Neither can they believe it because they're not interested in it. Let's call it this way. They're really not interested in it. There are other things that bother them, not the Word of God. And so it blocks you from having faith. When it blocks you from having faith, it blocks you from receiving the things of God. Mark Mark 4.24 Pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given. And you will receive even more. 25. To those who listen to my teachings, that's who honor it, more understanding will be given to them. But those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. So how do you have faith for anything? Aren't you going to where do you faith coming from? Where is it going to come from? Mark 7, 6. Jesus replied, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Why? Their worship is fast. He said, I'm not even interested in their worship, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. They're not interested in what God said. They just make up their, their Christianity as they go. They just make it up as they go. They're trying to justify their worldly positions and what they do. They just make it up as they go. Jesus said their worship is fast. I'm not interested in what they do. Can you imagine being in that kind of relationship with God? Just because you're not interested in what God thinks about you. First Samuel 2, 2.13. Wherefore, the Lord God of Israel said, I said indeed that my house, the house of thy father should walk before me forever, but now the Lord said, be it far from me, for them that honor me I will honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. We should should, uh, try to honor our spiritual leaders whom God have appointed to lead us. Your life center leader is your leader. Your Sunday school teacher leads you. Your head of, head of ministry leads you. Your sessional leader leads you. Your father in your house leads you. It's your, it's your leader. Your pastors lead you. We should try. We should live a humble life that honors them. If you can't honor them, you can't even honor the God they represent. Jesus said, if they reject you, they reject me. You can't. You will not be able. So in 1 Timothy 5.17, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor. worthy of double honor, not dishonor, not disrespect, not dishonor. That's the world standard of doing things, not the church. Especially those who labor in word and doctrine. The, the, the Holy Spirit count them worthy of not just honor, double honor. Double honor, not just regular honor, double honor. Now, you see, familiarity will breed contempt. Some people have become too familiar with God and Bible. They've been there a long time. They come to church, and they they just lost their sense of sacredness. Familiarity normally will breed contempt. I remember when my first pastor, a a man I respect tremendously, Pastor Kumui, very wonderful man of God, when he was teaching us this, I didn't understand him. I keep telling people, there are certain things your pastor will teach you, you don't understand it, keep quiet, keep growing. Just keep growing, you will understand it with time. I didn't get what some of the things he was saying, I didn't understand it, but now it's clear to me what he was saying. He used to tell us that familiarity has made many Christians lose their sense of respect, and that it's blocking their blessing. So I was wondering, what was he talking about? He talked about how even his, their leaders, he stopped them from coming his house to his house and things because he said he was blocking them from being blessed because they had become too familiar now and lost their sense of respect for their leader. Look at Matthew 13, 53. When Jesus had finished telling these stories and the illustrations, he left that part of the country. He returned to Nazareth, his hometown. When he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed and said, where does he get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? They were amazed, but I wanted to see what familiarity does. 55, then they scoffed, they scoffed. He's just the carpenter's son, and we know Mary, his mother, and his brother. We know James, Joseph, Simon, Judas, familiarity. So we know, we know this man. What's he talking about? 56. All his sisters live right here among us. So we know him. Where did he learn all these things? And they were deeply, deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Familiarity. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown the among his own people, why? Because of familiarity. And the result, so he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. They couldn't be blessed. Pride will blind you and cause you not to have faith. So they looked down on him because they know him. They know his, his mother, his two brothers. He grew up there. But they didn't believe him because... Familiar. You no, know, we know it. you uh, used to tell us, he says, say Papa Sam. He said, forget it. He says, not Papa Samuel. He says, under an anointing that places him in an office that God gave him. At, at that point, that was Papa Samuel. And we used to laugh because we didn't understand what he's talking about. But that's what scripture is saying. Familiarity can make you dishonor God, dishonor people God has put over you, and not even be able to learn from them not even be able to learn what God is giving you through them. You go to Sunday school, you won't learn anything. Life center, you won't learn anything. Because those people teaching you, have become too familiar with them. You don't even respect, you don't even expect to learn anything from them. And pride will breed this disrespect and bring one in, into the devil's trap. James 4, 5. Do you think that the scripture said in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusted to envy, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he said, God resisted the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble, verse 7, submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Dry nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep let your laughter be turned into money and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He will not lift you up. Peter is saying pride will blind anybody. You know, he says it will make you not honor God, not humble yourself before God. And it says a Christians should put themselves of this kind of attitude, you know, this kind of disrespectful attitude that does not come from the Spirit of God. It stops you from receiving more grace. More works of grace will not come because there is no faith to receive them because there's no revelation coming to you because you are proud. First Timothy 3 says, showing us what pride can do to a Christian He's talking about he must not be a new convert. That's how people you appoint to leadership must not be a new convert, or he may develop a beclouded and stupid state of mind as a result of pride, be blinded by conceit, and fall into the condemnation that the devil once did. See, pride blinds. And the Bible says it's a stupid state of mind. And when it blinds you, you can't receive the works of grace. Can you imagine this, what this thing does? It blinds. What was this trap that the devil uses, uses it to trap Christians and bring them, make them fall? Isaiah 14, 12. How, now, how have you fallen from heaven? O light bringer and death star, son of the morning, how you have been caught down to the ground you who weakened and laid laid low the nations, O blasphemous satanic king of Babylon, and you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, I will sit upon the mount of assembly in the uppermost north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, I will make myself like the most high, yet you shall be brought down to shore to the innermost recess of the pit, the reign of the dead. That's what the scripture is saying, that if you allow the devil to trap you with pride, you fall into his condemnation. You fall into his condemnation. Pride goes before a fall. You are going to be brought down like he was brought down. And one of the things that pride does is blinds you and you can't honor anything. You know too much. No, we can't teach you. to can't teach Now let's look at the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Our Lord, our example. Hebrews 5.7. Very humble heart. No reputation. Honor the Father. Hebrews 5.7. See what he said there. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings. With a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death and god had his prayer because of his deep reverence for god deep reverence for god philippians 2 12 dear friends you always followed my instructions when i was with you and now i am away that i'm away it is even more important work hard to show the results of your salvation obeying god with deep reverence with deep reverence with deep reverence and fear for god is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him with deep reverence brethren we have to we have to come back to a great sense of reverence for god a great sense of sacredness god deserves that to the bible said to whom belongs all honor God deserves that. In, a, in John chapter 10, verse 35, so men are called gods by the law, men of whom God's message came, and the scripture cannot, sit, cannot be set aside, or canceled, or broken, or it says, It says, let me read it again. And the scripture cannot be set aside, canceled, broken, and, and all, when you dishonor God's word, you, you set aside this word. You begin to use your wisdom, thinking you are equal with God. It shows ignorance because you can't know God and think you are equal with God. You can't know God and think you know what you, you, are, you can, have, your wisdom can be equated to God's wisdom. It's, it's a sure sign you just don't even know God. I even wonder whether such people are really born again. This scripture cannot be broken. You have to approach it with deep reverence. You don't clap for it. When you hear it, you you meditate on it. You think about it. You you send signal to heaven, this word is important to me. I want to yield to it. The Bible says we respond to it with deep reverence, not casual attitude, not entertainment attitude that has gripped the church today and that's why a lot of people don't know scriptures they don't understand the bible our lord jesus never tried to change the word cause he knew it was god's word he never tried to replace it with his intelligence with his know-how cause he respected his father deep reverence deep reverence john 14:24 he that loveth me not keep it, not my word, my says, And the word which you hear is not mine. But the father which sent me, he said, I don't replace his word with mine. I don't replace it with my thinking. Many replace the word of God so easily. They don't even bother. Oh, they don't care. Because this irreverence has eaten deep From the world. The gain is a result of carnal mindedness and ignorance combined. The words you hear me speak are not mine. I can't speak my I don't. I dare not. I can't say replace my father's word with my word or begin to equate them and begin to challenge my father. No, I can't. I don't reason it. He's the almighty. If he says it, that's it. He can't improve on his wisdom. That's reverence, that's respect. That sense of sacredness. Quit. People have lost. I wonder why we're not seeing miracles while we pray and pray and pray, sweet, sweet, sweet. In John 5, 30. Nothing I do is from my own initiative. Nothing. For as I hear, as I hear his word, that's it. As I hear the, the judgment passed by my father, I execute the same judgment. What As I hear, I honor it. I don't question it. I don't try to subject it to any kind of scrutiny. As I hear, I judge it. I follow it. And my judgments will be perfect because I can't do nothing of my own. I don't, I don't try to rep- My father says this. That's it. That's it. I've always said to people, there are three things you have to know. If you really want to go far with God, you have to be quick to repent. Quick. When you hear his voice, don't harden your heart respect it as the word of the almighty God. Don't don't rationalize and try to find a way to do your own stuff. That's serious disrespect to God. That's dishonor. That's total dishonor. Be quick to repent. Be quick to forgive people. Very easily forgive people and very easily believe God. You will go too far. Very easily, it's not too difficult. Very easily, if, God, if you hear the word of God that says, start respecting me, you just, the Lord does it. And then forgive people easily, very, because we are all forgiven very easily. Very easily forgive. Um, just forgive for God's sake. Just stop all these arguments. Forgive easily, and then believe God very easily. Very, very easily, you go far with God. You will see wonders in your life. Dishonor. Has affected a lot of people. I've wanted to teach something else, but the Lord said, No, you go back there. I was desiring little hungry to teach something else. The Lord said, you go back there. This is affecting my children. So because of this honor, we have no intention. What we hear his word, we know we have no intention to, to what he says. We have no interest in what he's talking about. So we live in perpetual disrespect for God. Jesus said in Luke 6, 46, And why call you me, Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Let us pray. Precious Father, I want to thank you again for this time we shared when well, you're encouraging us to get away from the culture of this world. The Holy Spirit says in these last days, there will, be, there will be total loss of sense of sacredness and there will be disrespect everywhere. You're calling us to live the life of your son who made himself of no reputation, honored you deeply, respected your word. We never saw him clap for your word. But we saw him obey your word. Do what you said. I pray that you help us, Lord, to be people who yield ourselves to your word so that our heart is circumcised. We need to be converted. We need to be changed. The real circumcision Paul said is the circumcision of the heart. Converted Christians whose lives are transformed by your word. Not people who just go to church. The people in whom Christ's life is real, true testimonies of Jesus Christ. Help us to hear. Help us to understand. Help us to respond. In Jesus' name I pray.